this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Annie Warmke. And I am Jay Warmke. And today we have another Dead White Scientist episode. Oh boy, I can hardly wait. And Jay, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about um, from whale oil to kerosene or let there be light. Wow. And a lot of people don't realize, okay, I'm going to be geeking out again here on this (laughs) one. But a lot of people, when they talk about energy, don't really realize that the early days of energy was all about light, right? Lighting your home. That was the big search. That was the big app. Um, You know, we think about energy like for automobiles or industry or whatever, but those things were not a big factor yet. It's mostly just people were tired of sitting around in the dark and they were trying to figure out some way how to, to stay up later at night to light their fire, right? Yeah. So so here's the myth. Um this is this is an oft-told story by whom? Uh by people who tell stories often. Um this is the story of of essentially how we went from whale oil to kerosene. And and the reason why this is a big deal is people use this as an illustration of the inevitability of market forces and why if you just leave everything alone, it will be okay, right? And the myth goes that at some point, people began to use whale oil to light their home. It was was clean, it didn't stink, it was a good source of of, uh, light, lighting oil. By the early 1800s, whale oil was costing as much as $2 a gallon, which is the equivalent of $200 a gallon today. So it had gotten super expensive. But wait a minute. Don't people realize there's only so many whales in the world? This is the 1800s, man. Everything's unlimited. And and this is where, the, in retrospect, we say, okay, they, they've hunted these whales to the point of extinction. The price of the product gets so high that somewhere along the line— a uh, fell up in Canada and vents kerosene, and suddenly the whale oil industry is replaced by the petroleum industry. Whale oil selling for $200 a gallon. You can buy kerosene for $0.05 cents a gallon, and everything's hunky-dory. So this is the myth, and people will say, okay, so therefore there's no global warming, no need for government intervention. Uh, industry will take care of itself. Just look at what happened with whales. You know, yeah, they became rare. The costs went up. A replacement technology came along in the nick of time, and we're saved. It doesn't make any sense, okay. so we better move on. Well, it does make sense. <laughs> it doesn't it's make just sense not, to me. It's just not true. Well, that's why it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I right. mean, there's no part of it that makes sense. So let's look a little bit about the history of whales, because this was the technology. This was the, the apple of its day, right? And uh, the technology. What's that mean, the Apple? It was the big, the big company. Oh, right? the big company. The big app. All right. The big app. Whales were the big company. Right. Well, in fact, uh, by the by the middle of the 1800s, whale hunting and whale oil production was the fifth largest industry in the United States. Yeah, but we were a pretty small country still. I, you know, don't diminish it. Okay. <laughs> Whales, whales are a pretty big thing here, you know. Oh, so, yeah. All right, so if we go way back to but the wait, early days. But wait, what happened to candles and yeah, fire and all that stuff? Were they around. still using that? Yeah, obviously. 
obviously. But if you could afford it, whale oil was a lot oh, better Oh, so it's rich people. Well, that's who whale. writes history. So if we go oh, way back to true. the beginning of the colonies, John, Captain John Smith, Right, those Smiths—they were really—and this is like the Pocahontas John Smith. This oh. is the real John Smith, right? Okay, not the fake one who signed in at the hotel. Anyway, so um, <laughs> so this is the the Pocahontas. Well, he he had come here. He had established the um, the Virginia uh, colony. He headed back to Europe. Got a little bit bored. Decided he was going to come back to America and uh, do some mapping. Map the coast. For the, for the powers that be. But he came back and there were so many whales, he got distracted, right? He was like, there's money to be made in killing these whales. That's good old That's American what I engineer. always think. I think there's too many of something. Let's just That's right. kill them. Hmm. So, um, so anyway, there were um, – by 1730 or so, the, the whale industry had centered up around Nantucket. Uh, they were harvesting oil. Uh, the industry continued to grow. Uh, if you read a lot of the history, and it's it's pretty interesting, you know, we always think about these these hardy pioneers out there. But once again, the lawyers were involved because if somebody would kill a whale or try and kill a whale, it may not they may not retrieve the carcass. In fact, it may sink and then come to the surface later and float up onto the shore. And then they would get into these big lawsuits about who owned the body of this whale that washed up on shore. And, and this was happening in New York, and there was a lot of lawyers involved. This is the history. And America was not settled by pioneers. I think it was settled by lawyers and uh, who sued litigants. Yeah. So anyway, so, so this industry continues to grow up until um, really – the Revolutionary War. And the Revolutionary War, these big wars are usually big transition periods, both in technology and, and in the history of a country. So by, by 1774, the whale industry was pretty big. But the British had just kicked the, um, the French out of Canada. And they had fought a war. They wanted to pay for this war. So they decided to um, tax... Um, put a duty on whale oil. And they decided that only if you if you were not British, you had to pay this tax. And they considered that the Americans were not British, which is kind of a weird situation if you figure, because the Americans were feeling they were British, right? They were British subjects. Well, that's iffy. But the other thing that was going on was that they could, that Americans, the people in the colonies, could only use goods that came from Britain. They right. were not allowed to produce things on their own. So they were in a precarious position. Yeah, and what ended up happening is they said, all right, if you're not British, which you're not, Mr. America, um, you have to pay this duty, but you're not allowed to sell the oil to anybody except the British. So therefore, you have to sell it to us and you have to pay this duty. So that wasn't all that pleasant. There was already this taxation without representation and fifes and drums going around. Well, when America declared their independence, then it was no holds barred. The British then felt that the whaling fleet of America was fair game. And these whalers would sometimes go out for several years um, looking for whales. And if they were stopped by a British ship, at that point they either had to join the British Army or Navy in this case or be put in prison. So um, – it was um, fairly decimating not only to the whalers, but then at one point, um, Sir Henry Clinton decided to attack 
uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts, there had been about 150 whalers operating out of New Bedford, and um, all but just uh, 134 of these boats were either destroyed or captured, uh, and the whole town was razed. So essentially, the war ended the American whaling uh, for that for that moment. But so, so tell me about caffeine, campfeine. <laughs> caffeine. <laughs> caffeine. 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 All right. How do you pronounce it? C-A-M-P-H-E-N-E. Caffeine. 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 I've never heard this word Camphine. before. It was, it was actually, um, well, this was the next big thing, right? Whaling was decimated. It, it grew back up and, and really by the 1850s was a pretty good size industry. This is the way the myth goes. Whaling was the source of oil. Well, that wasn't true because caffeine, as you mentioned, was developed by a fellow named Henry Porter in uh, Bangor, Maine, you know, Hen- well, the best people come from. Henry's of Maine, right? Yes, he yes. sold it uh, just like toothpaste. And, and he actually um, marketed under a thing called uh, Porter's Burning Fluid because it was really quite a catchy title. And it was mostly – it was basically grain alcohol with a little bit of turpentine added. And uh, then they Whoa, would – Whoa, it would be really flammable. Uh, that's what it was Whoa. for. Yeah, and it tended to burn down houses and things. I was going to say, or people. <laughs> All these little problems. <laughs> you know, know you're picky, picky, picky. I know it. Where's the control here? So, no standards. So uh, Henry Porter, he started marketing this stuff, and it, it was it was doing well. Uh, by 1856, he sold the company to Rufus Spaulding. And, and I love the fact – Rufus Spaulding, I, when I was doing some research on this, I found him – only in the patent um, records as having invented what he called the bug destroyer, which is like this thing you put on your back and you spray t- potato bugs with it. So this is Henry Spal- uh, Rufus Spaulding's um, big claim to fame. So in um, he began marketing Henry Porter's burning fluid or Porter's burning fluid. Well, this was – this. In fact, by 1850, caffeine was selling huge amounts as compared to the um, to the whale oil. I've got some numbers here. I'll have to find them. But were they wasn't it cheaper than the whale oil? Oh yeah, 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 much cheaper. In fact, it was selling for about fifty cents a gallon, where the whale oil was selling a dollar thirty to two dollars and fifty cents a gallon. Um, it, it had sold as much as. Um, I think it was like 90 million gallons in 1850, as opposed to like 3 million gallons of, of whale oil. Was this corn liquor they were using? Uh, it's grain alcohol. So it could have been drunk, I guess, except for that turpentine. <laughs> the turpentine in it. Yeah. So about the same time, because as, as we always like to say, when something's going on over here, something's happening over there. Well, Abraham Gesner up in Nova Scotia, he was a, a medical doctor. And he's playing around, and he develops what he called kerosene from the Greek word meaning wax oil. But he developed it out of coal, and it was basically coal oil. And he found that this actually produced a good light when put into a lamp that he had built. And he tried to – he obtained patents for it, tried to set up a factory. Um, He tried to market it in uh, New Brunswick, but he was blocked by the coal industry who claimed that kerosene was actually coal because it was made from coal and took him to court. So he couldn't develop his uh, industry up in Canada because the courts agreed, oddly enough. 
And uh, so he moved down to um, to uh, New York to set up his factory. And a lot of people will say that it was Abraham Gesner uh, who developed kerosene, the big app. Um, but actually, like almost every invention that we ever talk about here, it was it was not. It was not invented by him. It was um, their their ninth century. Um, References in the Persian scholars. In fact, the Persian scholar uh, Razi's uh, talked about in his book. I love the the Kitab al Azrar or the Book of Secrets, talking about kerosene. What about the Chinese? They invented everything. The Chinese invented it. Yeah. In fact, there's there's um, they were using it for lamps and heating homes as early as 1500 BC. So when we talk about history, I guess we're only talking about. Uh, White men, dead white guys That's in right. in North America mostly. That's right. Unless they're Scottish, then we then we're we give okay. Them, we give them so. so. So anyway, so he comes down. He he creates uh, the North American Gas Light Company, and miraculously, this is where our tale ends. Right, that um, that whale oil has now been supplanted by kerosene because of the natural order of things. This is the myth. That, that is handed down. And in fact, uh, you'll find it on most of the American petroleum industry websites of today. It's, it's a great, a great little myth. So you're listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you that it's the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. And it's the end of whale oil. The end of kerosene. Well, the whales were glad about that. The end, well, I'm not quite sure how happy they were. We didn't stop hunting them to extinction anyway. Not not yet, but we're still working on it. So, right. so tell me now about commercial oil refinement because it strikes me <laughs> that all of these things that you're talking about, ca- camphene and kerosene and some other things, all require a certain amount. All of amount which of- end with ene. Well, I mean, so to go from coal to kerosene being coal, I mean, there's refinement going on there. So so what went on with commercial oil refinement? How did that develop? Well, it's kind of funny because, I mean, you love the dead dead white scientist stuff. And, and um, the oil industry is often credited as, as beginning in uh, Pennsylvania when um, – uh, Edwin Drake drilled the first American commercial oil well, and there's a lot of mythology around that in, in Titusville, Pennsylvania. And the industry grew up there. There's a lot of arguments. Did it start in Pennsylvania? Did it start in Ohio? Did it start in West Virginia? There are different people who will make these arguments, and, and I'm sure somebody will sue somebody over it because that's what Already they do. happened, I'm sure. But the grandfather of the American oil industry— it's got to be William Murdoch. No, he's coming up later. <laughs> okay, William all Murdoch right. comes up everywhere. <laughs> no, I love this guy, Samuel Martin Keir. Samuel Martin, a guy you've never heard of, and and it's so typical of of the oil industry. In 1851, right? He he's like he's like digging for salt. Well, it was in the 1840s. Uh, he's digging for salt. Really important stuff, and right. it was high price then. And there was this petroleum. They kept getting into his salt wells. So what does he do? Like a typical oil refinery, he dumped it into a nearby river to get rid of this oil stuff until the oil like caught the river on fire. And then his brilliance was there's money to be made in that fire. 
right? He starts going, you know what? That stuff is bright. Maybe we can burn that. So he develops this oil lamp, and he begins marketing it as carbon oil, and it was distilled from crude oil, and it turned out it was a lot easier basically to make kerosene, this carbon oil, from oil than it was to make it from coal, like like Gessner had been doing. So, uh, so he took this otherwise worthless byproduct that he was throwing into the rivers, and he created um, what was referred to as rock oil or Seneca oil. And actually, the very first thing he tried to do is sell it as a medicine. Oh, my God, I heard about that. <laughs> right. What was it mixed with? It was something really awful. Well, it was mostly just oil. I know, and people were taking Here, it for have a, a cure. Of oil. Well, yeah, it would have cured something. <laughs> so I'm not sure what. So he was packaging this stuff as patent medicine, charging 50 cents a bottle for it, good stuff. He then started making petroleum butter, which we would call petroleum It's jelly. really hard to imagine how that tasted going down. Uh, well, these, that's why life expectancy was not <laughs> that long, right? So he's, he's selling petroleum jelly. He's selling this guzzling, you know, guzzle yourself a bottle of Seneca oil. Um, neither of these, surprisingly, was a commercial success. Petroleum jelly? Yeah, yeah. For, that's still around today. Yeah, well, this was is, the same thing. I have no idea, and and they a lubricant as a lubricant. Yeah, well, a topical ointment. That's what, I bet it uh, is the same thing. So he starts selling this carbon oil to the local coal miners in 1850. Uh, he he has an app for it, a lamp, and he's beginning to market that. But he never patented this stuff. There you go. There's the lawyers are going to jump That's in right. the game again. But even so, he was making about forty grand a year. Whoa. That was big that money. That would be millions today. Big money. So he, he established the very first oil refinery uh, in Pittsburgh on 7th Avenue near Grant Street. Look it up. It's going to be there. No, right sure where the that. Monongahela and the Higher River. Yeah. Well, they probably conflict. threw the extra stuff I'm sure. There. It used to be horrible there. So anyway, so, so by this time, then uh, oil was selling for about 50 cents. Now the kerosene, 50 cents a gallon. So, so really what had happened was whale oil, which had been the mainstay, had been supplanted by— um, You mean replaced. Well, it wasn't replaced. It was still—but camphene came along, and it was cheaper. It was a better alternative. So that one was selling quite a lot. Well, then again, another alternative came up, which was kerosene. So you've got three competing technologies going on right about 1860. Uh-oh. Well, what else happened in the 1860? Civil War. But right. where's Mr. Murdoch? Well, in Murdoch here? is like 1794. He had invented the gaslight. So that's a fourth competing technology, right? Gaslighting, camphene, kerosene, whale oil. And don't forget, there was still lard, you know, lard's right. around. Or and, tallow. And, and there's a civil war. And so another war. big push. Another big push comes along. With technology well, and guess, industry. Guess what happened in the beginning of the civil war? It was People the North got of, killed. Okay. <laughs> ah, these details. So, no, I'm talking kerosene here, man. Oh, All right. I so, don't know. Turpentine, which oh. was a part of caffeine, came from the south. The north, south, south cut off turpentine. So there was no turpentine. But then another thing happened in 1862. The, inter- the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, was founded. And it was founded to pay the costs of the Civil War. And the very first thing they did was put a $2 a gallon tax on alcohol. 
Wow. Well, caffeine now is competing. Remember, it was selling for about 50 cents a right, gallon. Right, but now it's going to be Now it's expensive. two and a half bucks a gallon yeah. competing against kerosene that didn't have any tax on it. So immediately the governmental policies pushed the petroleum industry to the forefront and completely crushed the competition. So the oil industry was founded through government subsidy. Well, isn't that the case pretty much? I mean, welfare to corporations is, it still, always is yeah. still huge. It has always been the sweet hub. That's right. Well, they're the ones that make the rules, boys. So Gesner in 1863 said, oh, forget <clears throat> this, I'm heading back up to Canada, right? So he sold his patents and he headed back up to Halifax, actually went to work at, at uh, I guess it's pronounced Dalloway's University. And uh, as everything comes around, the first American woman to walk in space was from that university. Not in that year, though. It was two or three years later, <laughs> I'm sure. It's a lot later than that. <laughs> That's know. a strange correlation, Jay. <laughs> I like, like these, Skip ahead these, 200 years, for heaven's these sake. These <laughs> sidelines. All right, so, so we, we see this happening where the Civil War comes along and not only decimated the, the camphene industry, it bolstered the kerosene industry. Whaling was a big issue, and it was um, – so of the the whalers, actually one of the Norse strategies was to take these whale boats and sink them in the in the entrances of harbors in the south. And Whoa. so uh, they blocked the traffic going in and out. But the whalers um, ended up basically the fleet was was decimated once again. So so where where are we? How do we come back to all of this stuff? Well, the IRS, our friends at the Internal Revenue Service, actually published a report that stated that in 1860, the American marketplace was burning about 90 million gallons of camphene or burning oil, porters burning oil, uh, a year. I have a question, though. Who's okay. making all that alcohol? Because it was was it legal to make your own alcohol? It was not only legal, it was necessary. I mean, right. everybody, anyone with a still and some corn or some sugar beets? I know. Or, well, I'm just wondering, though, there were no revenue men coming after you Well, for this that? is where the IRS stepped in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the $2 a gallon. That's That was not a very popular decision. So um, the IRS has a lot to ask answer for. They also came up with the income tax, but that was a different issue. <laughs> then uh, the whale oil really had peaked at 18 million gallons. So if you compare the 90 million gallons of camphene, with the 18 million, and, and as you stated, you've never even heard of canfee. No, I never have. But we've all heard whale oil and all of that. Well, that was still just a drop in the proverbial oil bucket compared to camphene at that time. And by 1875, it had dropped all the way down to about 3 million gallons the a year. The camphene? No, whales. Oh, whales. whales. Well, the it whales was, were probably mostly dead. I wouldn't say that they had been ex, you know, decimated that quickly. I think the industry was dead. The whales, you know, they're still out there. Well, it doesn't there. help that they destroyed most of the boats and they killed off so many of the whales right. in the process of it. And then with the government subsidies, by 1870, kerosene had risen to about 200 million gallons. So really, by the end of the Civil War, 
um, kerosene or the oil industry through governmental policies. And I was just going to say, those lobbying boys must have been mighty busy. There you go. And and then, you know, you're saying, all right, well, kerosene is now set to uh, to dominate, which it did. Um, but, but then we start to see 1878, Edison creates the electric light. Matt, silly uh, Ohioan. He just is such a yeah. marketer, isn't he? So um, really kerosene was still the primary product of the um, oil industry. And, and it remained so until um, really uh, Rockefeller came up with this idea of using gasoline, which was a byproduct, right? They used to throw that away in the Cuyahoga Mr. River. Mr. Rockefeller, the oil industry guy. Another Ohio company there. I know it, yeah. Mr. Mr. Rich So, In guy. fact, that's why that's where kerosene was the primary motivation for ref- refining oil. It wasn't until the internal combustion engine, right around the turn of the century, converted over to gasoline that the oil industry got sort of its second wind. That will be discussion for another day. But I, I'll close on this because I, I just I just love how government works, right? You do not. I do. I love every bit of it. Um, <laughs> so by 1878, the government commissioned a report to figure out what happened to the whale industry. <laughs> <laughs> so the industry's dead and buried, so now they're going to come out with this report. So a, a fellow by the name of um, Alexander Starbuck, what a great name. Um, he, he started he, a coffee shop after that. Yeah, I'm sure that's where that came from. And in 1878, he published A History of the American Whale Fishery, a report for the Commissioner of Fish and Fisheries, which is funny because whales are not fish, but we won't. Um, but anyway, he's he happens to be a direct descendant from the Starbucks of um, Nantucket. And if you ever read the book Moby Dick – one of the main characters in that book is Starbuck, and it comes full circle. What can I say? Mm-hmm. You've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, along with our famous, now famous, Emmy Award-winning producer, Adam Rich. Infamous. Thank you for spending a bit of time with us, and as my grandmother probably used to say, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is to play nice with others, clean up your own mess, don't dump kerosene into the rivers, and eat your vegetables. No problem. Till next time. Mother Earth will sing and her children will be You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com. Blue